Would you turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17? If you don't have your Bible, open up the, uh, get out your phone, go to the YouVersion app. You can go to events. And not only will you have all of the scriptures we're going to talk about today, but you will also have my notes right in front of you. Or if you don't have the, either of those things, look around. There's a Bible under a chair near you. Pick that up and turn to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to be there all morning. We're right in the middle of a series right now called Big God. We're looking at situations where, where something in, our, in, the, in the Bible seemed big, but guess what? God was bigger. I know nothing at all about football. It was only a couple years ago that I realized uh, Joe Montana was no longer pitching for the 49ers. <laughs> I'm just very, I, I just know nothing about football at all. And, and so a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, some of my friends encouraged me to join uh, one of our small groups. The, um, by the way, today's the last day to sign up for small groups, so please go do that. One of my friends invited me to the fantasy football uh, small group, and I thought, whatever. I think they were just trying to get some fresh meat, somebody just to kill, just to destroy on the team. And... Um, so I was like, all right, whatever. So fantasy football, the way it works is you get, uh, you get a pretend team, but you put real players that are on actual NFL football teams, and you put them on your team, and however they do in real life, if they do really good on that Sunday's game, they get a lot of points or no points if they do bad. And you total up your, your team's points against another team's points, and that's how you know who won. So I got really into it. I know nothing about football, so I like work extra hard. I don't have any baggage of like this player went from that team to this team. I just, I don't know anything about the players. So I just listened to what all the people on, on the internet said and get this guy and drop that guy and I'm making the best team I know how. And lo and behold, I made it to the championship game. <laughs> Every year I'm in the tournament and I'm going above people that have been playing it for 20 years. People who knew Joe Montana didn't pitch for the 49ers anymore. Pitched, what's it called? Quarterbacked. People that knew Joe Montana didn't quarterback for the 49ers. I'm beating them because I'm paying attention. I was the underdog. In fact, I'm so into fantasy football. I was at an event the other, a few weeks ago, and they told us to wear your favorite sports team's jersey, wear, wear the gear from your favorite team. Everyone else was showing up with like Colts jerseys and Colts hats. I don't have anything. So I went to, I went to the store and I had this custom made for me. It's my fantasy hat. Because this is the only team I care about is my fantasy team. And I was the underdog. No one thought I could win, and everyone still is trembling. In fact, I'm up against Josiah today. Josiah, we know if, if my team beats yours in fantasy football, we know that God loves my team <laughs> more than he does yours. And, and if your team beats my team in fantasy football, we know that God just doesn't care that much about fantasy football. <laughs> That's what we know. Uh, but I was the underdog, and today we're going to look at a story of uh, the most famous underdog in all of the world, and that's David and Goliath. You don't have to be raised in the church to know the story of David and Goliath. It's used in business, it's used in sports metaphors. It's the underdog taking down a giant, and that's what we're going to look at today. This, this idea is the underdog slayed a giant. This message is about killing evil giants in our life today. It doesn't matter how appalling your giant is. It doesn't matter how long living your giant is. It doesn't matter how ugly or disgusting or insidious your giant is. There's hope. 
there's hope. Perhaps every pea-sized problem in your life looks like a giant-sized problem to you because you think of yourself so small and worthless, it's hard to even imagine confidence in yourself or God. But church, there is hope. And that's what we're looking at today in 1 Samuel 17. Can we read it together? 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say, mm-hmm. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read the first seven verses. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdamim between Socha and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between. How many know you, hit your, you meet your giants in your life when you're in the valley? A champion named Goliath, verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, it's like an armor, and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Another translation says his spear shaft was like a fence post. And his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. This is a big giant. I I wanted to, as I was reading this, I wanted to visualize just how big Goliath was. So so I I, I put together a little Goliath. Can you bring in the giant? Let's bring in the giant. This is the giant, complete with shoes. Yeah, come on up here, Paul. Yep, right here, and just, yeah, just, just set them up, stand it. So, so I want to make sure people can see it with the shoes. So Goliath wore Chuck Taylors. Go ahead and hold this. Um, and this is how tall we think he was. Wait, something's missing. Um, wait, we tip that down. There. Okay, so there we go. That's how tall we think Goliath was. Uh, we don't know for sure because we, the Bible's describing it in cubits and a span and how big was a cubit and there's, is it this far or the whole arm? This is the high, this is the highest that we think he might be. So, but regardless, tall, tall, very tall. That's a big man. I wouldn't want to go up against him, would you? I mean, I'm tall. Most of you look up a little bit when we're eye to eye, but that's a big man. That's a really big man. And the Bible describes his armor alone was 125 pounds. Some of you don't even weigh that. And that's, what, that's his armor. And he was carry, his spear wasn't, it was a fence post. Big old, imagine a four by four kind of thing. And the tip of the, the spear was 15 pounds. This guy is strong and scary. And to top it all off, we know in 1 Samuel 13, the Philistines had a monopoly on all, all of the metalsmithing. So all of the Philistines, they had armor, they had metal, but in Israel, the only people that had any swords were Saul and Jonathan. Nobody else had any metal armor. That's why David had no choice but to use his sling. He could have used Saul's armor, but it was too big, but Saul and Jonathan were the only people that had armor. So here comes Goliath with all kinds of metal. That's pretty scary. Everybody say, ooh. Thank you. Oh, no, I got it. No, no. Yeah, I want to leave it up here. Thank you. 
here's number one. Goliath, uh, the giants are still in the land. The giants are still in the land. I'm going to put Goliath back here. The giants are still in the land. Um, understand in this point of Israelite history, they aren't coming into the promised land. They've got it. It's been given to them. Jericho is long past. This is their land, and giants are still there. For the Christian becoming saved, being a Christian, your point of conversion of meeting Jesus could be a long time in the past, but you know if you've been a Christian very long, there's still giants in the land. I'm sorry if when you became a Christian, someone gave you the idea that everything was going to be perfect and all problems would go away. That's not how it works. There's still giants in the land. In fact, Jesus promises it in John. Jesus said, in this world, you will, everybody say will, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We're going to have trouble here. We're saved. We have the power of Jesus in us, but we still have the giants around us. Louis Giglio says, just because we're in Christ doesn't mean we aren't in the fight. There's a spiritual fight, and the battle is real. We know uh, later in the story, we know that David took five stones in his pouch to go attack Goliath. Why did he take five? Did he not have enough faith? No, we don't see it in 1 Samuel 17, but elsewhere we, we see that Goliath had four brothers. So it seems logical that David was getting ready. He knew just maybe if he took down, down Goliath, he'd have to go after brother and the other brother and the other brother and the giants would keep coming. Do you ever feel like that in your life? As soon as you slay a giant, there's another and another and another and another. The giants are still in the Christian life. We can live according to the spirits, but the giants will still be in the land, even if we're living according to the spirit. So what's your giant? What's the giant in your life today? Bills you can't pay, maybe? Debt that's strangling you? If that's you, I would encourage you to sign up. We have a, this fall, we have a, a small group called the ABCs of um, Financial freedom, thank you. The ABCs of financial freedom. I want to encourage you to sign up for that. God doesn't want you to stay in bondage, including financial bondage. He doesn't want you to stay that way. And that group will really help you out of there. What's your giant? Is it a feeling or a sin that keeps weighting you down? Rage, greed, and addiction. Is your giant continual feelings of rejection, insecurity, worry, Fear. Do you know what fear is? Fear, the opposite of fear isn't courage. David wasn't courageous. The opposite of fear is faith. In fact, fear could be defined as faith in the enemy. If you have faith in the enemy, that's fear. Is your giant forgiveness, pornography, loneliness, Anxiety or depression, family relationships you don't understand, a past that haunts you or a future that worries you, whatever your giant is, listen, Jesus came to give you freedom. 
He came to set your life free, and he came to destroy your giants. There is hope. But that doesn't mean the giants are never going to be in the land of the Christian. Giants are still in the land. So don't be disillusioned when you come across problems in your Christian life. All right, let's look, take a look at the next point. We're going to continue the story in uh, verses 8 through 11, 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come up and line, I'm sorry, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. It was a winner-take-all battle. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all. Everybody say Saul and all. Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Here's number two. Believers can be paralyzed by their giants. Believers can be paralyzed by the giants. What a paradox. We sang a song a few moments ago called Almighty, and it starts, um, uh, uh, gosh, what are the words? You have no, you have no rival? You have no equal, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to look. You have no rival, you stand alone. We serve a God who has no rival. Not just no rival in Indiana, no rival in the universe. The king of the universe is in us. But those still in Christ can still be paralyzed by problems and sin. What a paradox. Paul explains it like this in the book of Romans. He says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. See, when, when, uh, when we were born, we were born with a life of sin. It was like we, we were wearing sin. But when we got saved, we took off the old man. But as I go through my Christian walk, I just realized that old man that I took off, it's like gum stuck to my shoe. It just... Something that I keep fighting with. Just a struggle that keeps showing up in the land. Christians have the victory. Jesus paid for the victory. The giants can be dead, but we have to walk it out. The old man has to be put to death daily. That's why I love what Celebrate Recovery is doing at Inspiration Ministries. Recognizing that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And they walk people through it. If you're walking through your life and you have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, I would encourage you. That it's one of our small groups right now, and today's the last day to sign up for them. I would encourage you to sign up for Celebrate Recovery and be a part of that. All right, so here in our, our story, uh, these Israelites, God, this group, God brought them out of Egypt, right? You've heard the story. Miraculously, they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. God provided for them for 40 years. They've won battle after battle. Three chapters earlier than 1 Samuel 17, these same people, they beat the Philistines in a skirmish without any weapons. They beat the Philistines. It was totally a miracle. And here they are. Goliath comes out. 
Hey, anybody got a fighter ready to come out and fight me? I imagine Goliath was a little bit of a redneck. Anybody want to come fight me? And they're shaking in their boots. Everybody's scared. Even though God just had provided for them. We're here, saved, the power of Jesus in us, but it's still possible to be paralyzed by our giants, church. You don't have to be a Christian very long to realize that being delivered from sin is a one-time experience and a walk. It's a one-time experience and a walk. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a walk. You got to walk it out. If If alcoholism is a part of your past, you know that if you're not careful, it can be a part of your future again. You have to walk it out. Uh, I've heard some say that giants can be dead but still be deadly. How's that possible? You ever smelled a skunk dead? (laughs) Skunks are dangerous alive, but they still stink after. Or a snake snake can die and be be laying in in the field. A poisonous snake can be dead. It can be dead for months. And if you walk across it and step on its head, it has spring-loaded venom that can pop out of its fangs, and it can still kill you. I think some of us have deadly giants still hanging around. Oh, that's dead. That's dead. But it might still be injecting poison. A lie that that one of your parents told you years ago. Something a a friend or a co-worker or or an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend from years back, they said something, continued to inject poison. Did you know when Michael Jackson was a young boy, the Jackson 5 was walking through, I heard it was a shopping mall, and... Uh, this woman said, oh, the Jackson 5, the Jackson 5, where's little Michael, where's little Michael? And she saw little Michael, and he's just, a, whatever, 10 years old. She said, oh, little Michael, oh, look at that nose. Think about how that comment may have shaped the man's life. Maybe you have a comment like that that's stuck. That's a dead giant. Ah, that was long ago. That doesn't bug me anymore. Is it still injecting venom into you? Let's go on to our next point. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 16. 1 Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, the Philistine camp... I'm sorry, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Here's point number three. Some giants won't fall quickly. Some giants won't fall quickly. Here here the giant came out 40 days. In Hebrew culture, 40 days often represented a, a period of trial, a period of pain, a period of suffering. That's why I think sometimes God allows the venom to hang on to us. I'll explain why. It's not not that he causes it. Trials and testing is often a part of the nature of restoration. 1 Peter 5.10 says this. In the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, hmm? that couldn't be right. Let me try it again. And the God of all grace 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, that's what it says, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Why would God do that? I wish he would just make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Why doesn't he just do that? Why does he, why does he wait for us to suffer a little while sometimes? Why? That's, I wouldn't do it that way if I was God. God allows suffering because we can't be strong and firm without being surrendered to Jesus. We have to be surrendered to Jesus. That's what being strong is, surrendered to Jesus. In America, we think strong, yeah, I'm strong enough on my own. Not in Christianity. If you want to be strong Christian, it's, you're not, it's, it's surrendered. I'm strong enough with you, God. And sometimes our pride requires us to see a slow falling giant or a long standing giant before we ever cry out to God and fully depend on him. Giants won't fall unless we're depending on Jesus. That was David's secret of beating Goliath. That's hard. That's really hard. That's really hard. But God gave us the tools that we need. Uh, the New Testament says that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Um, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, the first two verses say this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Giants? Carry each other's giants, maybe? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we're going through the valley in our life, there's no shame in asking for help. If depression is your giant, there's no shame in going to get help. Start with Jesus, but go get help too. When, when, uh, when you break your leg, start with Jesus, but you go to a doctor. Your leg's broke. Start with Jesus, pray, and go get help. And according to this verse, carry each other's burdens. Christianity is not about me and God. It's about us and God. There's an us involved. How are you going to obey scripture if there's not an us to your faith? You can't. You can't obey this passage in Galatians 6, 1 and 2 unless there's an us to your faith. Today is the last day to sign up for groups. This isn't a promotion. This isn't advertisement. This is the word of God. If you don't have, there's other ways to to have an us to your faith and being in a group. But if you don't have an us to your faith, we made a really great way. And there's 57 groups and serve opportunities ready, waiting for you. And today's the last day to sign up. MyNewHope.in, you can do it right now if you want to. But if you're in that struggle, you don't have to do it alone. You have brothers and sisters in Christ ready to walk through, through things with you, ready to obey this scripture. Maybe your giant keeps hanging on. Your giant just doesn't let go. Maybe your giant came when you were 14 and now you're 57 and it's as big as ever. Maybe your, your giant is an addiction 
that you just can't seem to drop. You just can't beat on your own. Maybe your giant never really died. It just Maybe your giant likes to take a walk around the block and come back and hit you again. And you think it's taken care of, but it just keeps coming around the block and hitting you again. If you have a long-standing giant that's not falling very quickly, listen up. The suffering is temporary. Would you put up 1 Peter 5.10 again, Josiah? The suffering is temporary. It says, after you have suffered what? A little while. It's a little while. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And that little while is there to help us depend on Jesus. As long as you're on planet Earth, you need a Christian family, you need others, and you need Jesus to be alongside you. All right, let's go on to the next point. We're going to find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. So in this story, Goliath continually comes out, I defy the armies of Israel. In verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. That's point number four. Let no one lose heart on account of the giant. Let no one lose heart on account of the giant. Why? Because David's on the scene. Okay, so I'm about to ruin your childhood stories from Sunday school. Um, in the Old Testament, we can find Jesus. Jesus is in the Old Testament. So who's Jesus in this story? He's not Goliath. He's not the enemy Philistines. He's not the scaredy pants Israel army. So who's Jesus? David. You're not. Ooh. Making some of you mad. Some of you are ready to go, f go fight, fight all your giants. You're not David. I'm not David. Jesus is. Jesus is. Let no one lose heart on account of the giant. Church, let no one lose heart on account of your giant. A giant slayer has just rolled into the valley. It's not you. It's Jesus. Jesus is the giant slayer. Let no one lose heart on account of your giant. Because there's a giant slayer who just came in. Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, in the David and Goliath story, it's, you, you aren't irrelevant. You're with Jesus. Christ lives in you. But it's not you, it's Jesus in you that slays the giant. Jesus is the giant slayer. Everybody say, preach it! Thank you. So no one lose heart. There's a giant slayer on the scene, and there's a giant slayer here in your valley. We just got to look up, look past the giant to the giant slayer. That's number five. Giants come down when we look up. Giants come down when we look up. Let's continue the story. First Samuel 17, uh, verse 45. We're going to read the story of the giant coming down. David said to the Philistine, Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army. So you see, David's, David's not saying, I'm coming against you, Goliath. He's saying, I come against you with the Lord Almighty. 
He's looking up. He's looking past Goliath. He's looking up. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. Verse 46. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army, so gruesome, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Everybody say it's his. The battle is the Lord's and will give all of you into our hands. Verse 48, as the Philistine Goliath moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Giants come down when we look up. Higher than nine feet. And we look up to the Lord. So if David is Jesus in the story, Jesus isn't telling us to man up. You're facing your giant. You're looking at your giant. Jesus isn't telling you, man up, armor up, buck up. Jesus is telling you, look up. Past your giant. Look, look higher. Look up, more up than your giant. And look to him, the true giant slayer. When we, when we go through our life and, and we stare at Goliath, we stare at our giant, we start worshiping our problem. We start worshiping the Goliath. Oh, Pastor Adam, that's a little, a little bit too strong to say we worship the giant. Well, some of you, that's all you talk about. You're giving your problem all kinds of glory. It's all you ever talk about. It's all you ever think about. Instead, stop worshiping it and worship him, the giant slayer. Look up. That was David's trick. He came at his Goliath in the name of the Lord Almighty. Jesus didn't come just so you could be alive. If you're going through life and that's it, no relationships, go to work, you come home, nothing's rich in your life. If you're just going through life and that's it, I think you may not have realized what God has for you. Prove it in the Bible. Okay. Romans. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life. So often we put a period there. I think we think this in our head. I'm alive. I'm glad, I'm glad God saved me. But that's not where the period goes. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. God wants peace in your life too. Um, John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Oh, do you, does anyone know English? That doesn't look like a period to me. That looks like a comma. I have come that they may have life, comma, and have it to the full. God wants your life to be full and rich. So look up to him instead of staring at the problem. Look up to him because he is the giant slayer. We will never realize our full life or our life of peace while we are staring at our giant. We have to look higher than our problem. Look higher than nine feet. 
My dad taught me when I was little how to use tools. I remember I had a, a saw and I was cutting a board. I would cut boards, you know, just, I think I'm helping, but it's just a board that I got to cut. So I was cutting it and I remember I was working hard and I'm gonna cut the board and I have my saw and I'm going and my dad says, no, 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 that's not how to, let the saw do the work. You just gotta go up and down. Let the saw do the work. Let Jesus do the work. The giant doesn't fall in your striving. The giant will fall in your surrender. Let Jesus do the work. The battle belongs to the Lord. Your victory won't come as you stare at your giant striving harder to beat it. Your victory will come once you realize that the giant is bigger than you can handle and you trust Jesus. And you look higher and you trust Jesus. All right, so the giant comes down when we look up because he is our giant slayer, but we need to make sure that it's dead. Let's read what happens in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50. This is the end of the story as far as I'm going anyhow. Uh, 1750. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. How gruesome. Unless that sword was really sharp, it probably took a few whacks. The Old Testament's boring. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't read the same parts I do, I guess. We got to cut the head off. We got to cut the head off of our giant. I have an illustration here I want to pull out. Pastor Todd's daughter, Naya. Thank you, Naya. She made this spider for me. I'm going to put it right here. There's a man named Carlos Whitaker. He wrote a book called Kill the Spider. And what I'm about to say is coming from that book, Kill the Spider. Uh, and the premise of the book and the premise of, the, of this idea that I'm going to share, it comes from a story where a woman came to a pastor at the end of a message and said, Pastor, preacher, preacher, will you pray for God to clear out the cobwebs? Can you pray for God to clear? I have so many cobwebs in my life. Pray that Jesus would clear out the cobwebs. He said, all right, I'll pray. And he prayed for Jesus to clear out the cobwebs. And the next week, the woman came up and said, preacher, preacher, those cobwebs are coming back. Would you pray that Jesus would clear out the cobwebs? I need the cobwebs out of my life. And he says, okay. And he prayed for Jesus to clear out the cobwebs in her life. Third week, she comes up after the sermon and she says, preacher, preacher, those cobwebs are back in my life. Would you pray that God just wipes those cobwebs out? And he says, no, I'm going to pray that you kill the spider. Kill the spider that keeps putting those cobwebs there. What I'm saying is maybe your giant is a giant. Maybe, maybe your giant isn't the giant. Like your problem might be a symptom of another problem. That's your problem. For example, um, rage. Rage. It might take a while to get to what your problem is, but rage is your problem. Okay, why? Why are you so angry? Why do, why do you get angry every time someone brings something up? Why is this rage, where is this coming from? Maybe, that, maybe rage is coming from insecurity. 
I'm not secure in who God made me. So I get mad when someone challenges me. Okay, why aren't you secure in who God made you to be? Why, why, why? Maybe it's because back when you were eight, you, believe, you heard a lie and you believed a lie that you weren't good enough. There's your giant. Or as Carlos Whitaker says, there's your spider. You gotta kill the spider. Because that spider's gonna keep putting cobwebs up. And that giant, the root giant, is gonna keep putting up giants in your life. You want me to tell you how to, how to kill the spider? Nathan, come on up. This is, how, this is how to kill the giant. There's a one, two, and a three. So I'd write these down. Number one, confess your lie. When you have a giant that just won't die, it's because there's a root behind it of a lie that you've believed. You've agreed with a lie. So if you want to kill the giant, you want to cut the spider's head off. You want to cut the giant's head off. You confess the lie. That's number one. Confess the lie. Number two, reject the lie. Number three, replace that lie with God's truth. Confess the lie. Reject the lie. Replace that lie with God's truth. So if, so if the lie that you've believed is I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, God made a mistake when he made me, if that's the root lie that you've believed, that's, that's your biggest giant. Confess the lie. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like God messed up when he made me. Reject the lie. God didn't make a mistake when he made me. He made me on purpose. And number three, you replace that lie with God's truth. Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's handiwork. I am God's workmanship created for good works in Christ. Confess the lie, reject the lie, and replace that lie with God's truth. Would you stand with me? Lord, we look to you as our giant slayer today. In our mind right now, Lord, we, we imagine our giant, we imagine our problem, we imagine our struggle. Lord, in our heart, we're choosing right now to look a little higher. We're looking to you, Father. We're going to allow prayer, praise and prayer to be our weapon. We're going to let you do the work, God. You are the giant slayer. We surrender to you. Let's all sing this together, though my eyes may fail me. Though my eyes may fail me, I will follow after you. When your promise seems forsaken, I'll remember the world's in your hands. You'll find me singing. You are unfailing, God. Your love's unending, and your word is eternal. Firm in the heavens it stands. You are unfailing, God. Your love's unending, and your word is eternal. Firm in the heavens it stands. Lord, we trust you.
We know that you're the giant slayer on the scene. You're in the valley. You never leave us. And your power is within us, Lord. And, and, and any giants that fall, we know it's because we surrendered to you and we depended on you. So, Lord, I pray for the hurting in the room, that you would come alongside them. And as they surrender, Lord, I pray you'd bring the victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you're dismissed. Go with God. <laughs>